Hi, I'm Craig, English film nerd living in Wales, and back long, long ago when I was a permanently horny 14-year-old boy, I I couldn't begin to imagine a time where I would be filled with dread at the prospect of watching some pornography. But that that happened to me this week, so I just want to thank Tyler for for the ways that he's changed me. Not a problem. Thank you, Tyler. You're welcome. Anytime. I'm Tyler Hosley, and I ate an omelette while watching Angel Guts Red Porno. (laughs) I'm Dave Gray, and uh, this week I woke up, I did some work, and then I thought to myself, well, it's time to watch an extreme Asian porno. And, like, that didn't seem weird to me. And for, like, two hours, then I went, where the fuck did my life go wrong? Mm Mm-mm. I like I spent days re-examining my choices. Were you interrupted by your niece a hundred? Oh times? God, no! I waited until like she was she was, she was at school. She wasn't even in the same state as me when I watched that movie. <laughs> I went as far away as I could. Good call. I'm Kevin Matthews, and I'm at a stage now where I say to my lovely partner Vicky. Uh, I'm about to watch Tyler's Choice for this week, so don't interrupt me. And she walks out of the room saying to me, shut up and watch your porn. Did she bring <laughs> Did she bring back a little Vaseline for you? I mean, because that, <laughs> that's a caring partnership. She did not. Like, she just stays away. She caught me watching, uh, what, what did we watch? Was it El, El Topo or The Holy Mountain? Yeah. It she was caught me Mountain. watching some... Jodorowsky film and she has never stopped telling people that uh, don't listen to Kevin's film recommendations he <laughs> watches films with men straightening dwarves all around them I'm like one time well, one I, time I learned Killa uh, figured out how to unlock the interior doors because uh, last January we were watching um, Tokyo Decadence 3 maybe <laughs> and I heard one of them, yeah. what's that and I went, oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, there are some conversations I am not ready for, T. I think the takeaway here is I'm just a big old pervert. So that's just what it is. Yeah. I still um, think the, first, the worst thing you could be watching as your girlfriend walks in is Sean Connery in a wedding dress in Zardoz. Especially <laughs> if you're touching yourself. Well, I've uh, we've, we've watched Zardoz, and it's hard not to touch yourself during that scene. That is... Mm. Uh, I think I've told you guys before, my ex-wife walked in just as uh, someone was having their penis extremely damaged in Antichrist. (laughs) She just looked at the screen and looked at me and she was like, so this is what you're doing with your day off, yeah? I was like, it's not what it looks like. Anyway, this is sleazy readers of the podcast. I watched some uh, major disappointments last week. I didn't really get any Japanuary homework again, sadly, which is extra annoying because I really wanted to dive in today to the Junji Ito um, oh, show I did. on Netflix animation. Damn oh, I, I watched. I watched the first four episodes. Ooh, uh, is it good? I'll tell you when is it's it my turn. You gotta okay. wait. Live in suspense. I I went uh, I I went all highbrow, and um, 
I I don't think I mentioned this last week, did I? I I watched Tar. I think that was uh, after we recorded the podcast. You did not mention it last week. Yeah. Tar has a great Kate Blanchett performance at the center of it. Like, really superb. I won't be surprised if she walks away with the Oscar. Um, it's a well-made film with some interesting points, but it's, um, like, I would nicely say it feels very problematic. It feels like a film having a conversation that everyone else has gone way beyond. Everyone else is like, right, we know that person could be a problem, but we actually are still overdue lots of films about all the other people that are more often problems. That's what it feels like to me. It's kind of the posh film version of, well, not all men because women too. That really sums it up. Um, but sorry, ache. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no denying Blanchett's awesome. I think, um, and this it's well made. I just I couldn't get over that part of it. That means I think it's a good, well made film, but I could never like I could never look at it as a great film, or say to people it's a it's a must see take out Blanchett's performance and set that up for people to watch out of context and that would be like a much better uh, piece of art I think and then from one disappointment to the other I watched The Pale Blue Eye which I think a, a few of us watched recently it's yep. it's not good nope it's no it's um yeah I mean it's it's again, it's got Christian Bale in there as an investigator uh, looking to a murder. He ends up being helped by a young cadet who is Edgar Allan Poe. I thought Poe-related shenanigans would ensue. That didn't happen. Fair enough. I thought something else would at least be in there in the film that would, that would really make the involvement of Poe like something worthwhile and major to the plot and it doesn't like you know they they didn't want to have something loaded with uh, references or play it certain ways fine but to have a film with Edgar Allan Poe's main character and have it not really need to be Edgar Allan Poe's that character feels pretty pointless uh the cast are good You've also got um, Toby Jones being awesome, as usual. Gillian uh, Anderson's good in her small role. Robert Duvall, you've you got good people. Bale is all right in his role. Uh, the guy who plays Poe is fine. But, yeah, it's a huge disappointment. I was never interested in the characters or cared about the, the murder mystery, really. I just, I just found nothing there to warm to. Uh, so two things that were better in a way. One was the invitation. Have any of you seen the invitation? You may have mentioned it already, and I've blanked. The, no, the everything about it screams. Right. You know, it's been done before quite a lot recently. 
like it's going to be a hodgepodge of ideas from recent films. Yeah, done badly. I, I like I like the actress in the lead, but yes, yeah, like the trailer uh, just left me cold. The actress in the lead uh, helps a lot. Uh, Natalie Emmanuel, uh, she's good. I really like the invitation. I I get what you mean. I can definitely see. Um, you know, a lot of people could really dislike this, but I think. I think it mixes everything together well and does like such a good job of of delivering some kind of old fashioned uh, gothic spookiness with some jump scares and bit of atmosphere throughout and then reworking things slightly in a way that's it manages to feel like not quite playful but in that area but without being smug. Like it, it seems to have been created by people who know. Like none of it is a massive rug pull. There's no big like huzzah. You didn't see that coming, did you? You can always be one or two steps ahead of it. But its main aim is to do, you know, a kind of entertaining story with archetypal characters and moments from that particular subgenre. So I liked it. It was, it was really good, uh, better than I expected. I don't even recall if I saw the trailer, but the, the poster certainly didn't really do anything for me. It's just a bit um, bare. And then I made a, a long overdue revisit to Needful Things. I have a soft spot for Needful Things. I know Needful Things is not a good film. I can't help but view Needful Things as a good film. It's kind of comforting. It, was, uh, it wasn't the first chunky Stephen King book I read, but I have an attachment to it. It was like my first holiday read that I picked. Um, so the story, I have that attachment to it. Max von Sydow is in there as Leland Gaunt. That's good casting. I really like Ed Harris as uh, Sheriff Alan Pangborn. Pangborn, I think that's great casting. Bonnie Bedillo is in here. The magnificent JT Walsh gives a magnificent JT Walsh performance. Amanda Plummer in the mid 90s was doing peak mad Amanda Plummer in the mid 90s. Like it, the problems with it tend to be the problems that were in the book, and that there isn't really any sort of big crash bang wallop moment not not really it's you know the owner of a small store arrives in this town and people can have what they want but there's a cash price now a little favor and things escalate and it's pranks that turn people against one another. it's it's a really good idea but i think the the novel wasn't as well done as it could have been and the film does that although bizarrely i always thought this was a tv movie and then I found out it had a theatrical release, certainly in the USA, but had, uh, I think, about an hour added to it when it was shown on TV once or twice. I think it was turned into a two-parter. But yeah, I'm sure I'm the only one among us with fond memories of Needful Things. So that was me. I, um, well, I kind of kept in theme. I watched some uh, TV from 
the Asian continent. Uh, tragically, only one of them was uh, Japanuary related and directly related to uh, one of the movies we watched this evening. So I'm going to talk about that when the time is appropriate. I did start, as I said before, the um, Junji Ito Maniac series on Netflix, which is uh, it's solid. Like I watched the first th- four episodes. And while I didn't care for the first episode, it just didn't like the first episode is weird and I don't want to spoil anything, but it doesn't it's not a, a common Ito kind of work. So like I like I just don't get why they spent so much time on that one when most of the other episodes have two short shorts. I think three of the episodes have full length. 20 minute stories and all the others have two. And, uh, but after that episodes, uh, two, three, and four were excellent episode, uh, four, I think is the, uh, second full length one with only one story. And it's fantastic. Like to the point that I, I like, okay. Like when I read it was announced, I was like, "Ah, okay. I mean, like I like Ito's stuff, but it doesn't really translate very well. But so far this has been, the best adaptions so far they've been great they've been really really good uh i'm like to the point that i'm really hyped for the tomi episode which i think is um like nine or ten so yeah like i'm i'm excited for the rest of it i really dug it so far uh, besides that i started another korean mystery series because last week i gushed about the glory which i loved the first half is up on Netflix, and you should totally watch it. It is an incredibly well-paced uh, and structured revenge thriller series so far. It's it's excellent. Uh, so I watched Little Women because folks told me that was good, which is a Korean mystery series, and it's not. Like, the cast is fine. It's just, it's one of those, they don't, like, they didn't sit down and really think out the story. So a lot of it feels like soapy seat of our pants kind of things to get from point A to point B. And that kind of stuff annoys me. So I, I don't know if I'm going to finish that, but that's, that's been me. It's been a lot of TV, a lot of TV. I watched sick, the new Blumhouse, John Hyams, Hams. I think that's how you say it. Slasher. Um, I really like the action chase scenes. They were really well done and it's pretty violent. But the uh, the COVID shit in the story made me cringe super hard. Nothing will take me out of your movie faster than a COVID subplot. So filmmakers, please don't do this. Just stop. But if, if you do, if you must add a COVID subplot, at least try to make it clear if you're actually satirizing COVID protocols. Because I honestly couldn't tell what they were aiming for with the script. It was it was a fucking mess. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it because it's not legally available in this country. So there's no way I could have seen it. Mm-hmm. If I had seen it somehow, I'd agree completely. Yeah, it's just I imagine I can't really uh, say how the ending. I, I can't really talk about the ending because it's a fucking huge ass spoiler. But if it was going for satire, it failed. If it wasn't, it also failed. So I don't know. Just yeah, it's it, it's a hard one to talk about because the ending relies on a huge spoiler so it's just it's it's almost impossible um uh but besides that 
I've just kind of been watching like TV stuff as well. I've I've been watching 1923, the new uh, Yellowstone spinoff with Harrison Ford, which I'm only on episode two, but it's it's decent so far. And I started a Mayors of Kingstown, that Jeremy Renner crime drama. Uh, I've watched like two episodes and I keep falling asleep, so I don't know if that's the uh, like quality with the show or not. But I just I, for some reason I can't get into it. I don't know if I'm just picking the times I'm really tired, but I fell asleep like twice through the first two episodes. So I might not go back to that one, but 1923 is solid. That's a, that's a solid drama. But uh, that's we have some wild Jeremy Renner prison sex dreams. If you keep falling asleep during that show. <laughs> I do. Yes. It's weird because that drama, I mean, that show should be like fucking tailor made for me. And it's just, eh, it's all right. I mean, that's just, it's just kind of there. But like I said, I fell asleep twice. So I don't know. I did a little bit of Japanuary homework because, as you guys know, I take all of this very seriously and I'm very reliable. Um, I watched the 2018 crime drama The Blood of Wolves, which is, I think it's currently streaming on Shudder in the UK. It's been on my watch list for ages. And, yeah, I dug that one quite a lot. It is, like, 100% bog standard in terms of the story. It's a corrupt veteran cop squeaky clean partner yakuza linked crime larger conspiracy connecting them all together so on it's it's unoriginal really and it's you know it's kind of predictable but i I really because it's just very it's just very well crafted and very effective like the cast are really strong it's got um so koji yakusho the lead from uh kurosawa's cure and he's fantastic in it uh, I think the acting is so good that all the central relationships feel really meaningful, so it's all got a bit of weight to it. Uh, it looks great. It's uh, You know we get films these days that try to recreate a different era of film, and sometimes they do it in a very kind of... Uh, very kind of ugly way that just doesn't work and it just feels like a gimmick. This This does it much better. It really faithfully recreates, like... Like, 70s... Fukusaka crime films, you know, like stuff like uh, Street Mobster. It really, it really works hard to recreate that style and the energy of those films. It does a really good job. It's just uh, very slick, very satisfying, and you know, it's a film that makes it clear that cops are the biggest fucking crooks in the world. So, you know, I dug it. It's good. Um, I also watched the 1960s gothic neo fairy tale kind of deal uh snake girl and the silver head witch which i really really enjoyed it's incredibly atmospheric like it's i I love japanese horror movies from this era because the atmosphere is just incredible and this one it lands somewhere between like a like a carnival freak show and a sanitarium it's just a really like oppressive and unpleasant atmosphere throughout and it's just it's beautifully shot really well performed like the the central child performance is one of the best i've ever seen it really like it really gives weight to the events of the film and the story is the story is really it's really involving it's also really inventive and surprising this film never really went where i expected it to go like you watch a Japanese film called uh, Snake Girl and the Silverhead Witch. You imagine some deranged gonzo finale of a snake girl fighting a silverhead witch. But 
instead it ends on a really like grounded and emotionally resonant note that i i just didn't see coming i was like genuinely moved by the climax of this really strange film and yeah i think you can watch that on the arrow channel it's it's on some other things it's it's well worth a look uh anyone else seen that no i I mean i will now i definitely will now yeah i own the blu-ray but i haven't made time to watch it yet surprise surprise. it's good uh tis tis the uh tis the season kevin yeah uh and as I said, I've been unwell the last week, so I've just been rewatching stuff, just easy stuff. Uh, I rewatched Universal Soldier: Day of Reckoning, which is kind of a mess, but you know I still really dig it because I think it's it's an ambitious mess, and it really does have some outstanding action sequences in it. There's a there's an extended action scene in the third act where uh, one character takes on about. 30 in this military base and it mixes you know sort of mma grappling and gratuitous face shooting in the way that john wick does so well but a good two years before john wick kicked off so i was really surprised to see that i was you know when i watched john wick i thought oh this is this is kind of a new thing that i'm really enjoying the the grappling and face shooting but there's uh quite a bit of it in uh day of reckoning as well so i'm not sure if there's a connection with the stunt people or the choreographers but uh i also rewatched you were never really here uh, i hear the book is better because i know dave so i have been informed uh, i really dug that i'm not sure how deep the book goes into things but this is just like a nice it's quite a simple film a deceptively simple film that was it was so unlike the film I expected it to be the first time I watched it. I didn't really like it. I thought I was expecting something in the same kind of area as like maybe Taxi Driver meets Drive. And it was not that film. So this time around, I got to watch it again and enjoy it for the film that it is. But also I felt like maybe it was kind of a direct response to the kind of film that I expected it to be the first time because it. It just it's a film that absolutely refuses to indulge in cathartic violence at times when the viewer is dying for some cathartic violence. Because it's a film that, you know, is saying that violence is not it's not cathartic, it's not changing anything, it's not making anything better. And the violence and the death in this movie is it's all painful and sad and and pointless. There's there's, you, you're not going to be pumping your fist at any point during this film when somebody awful dies. It's still grim and ultimately like quite moving. I yeah, I really enjoyed it. And Phoenix is just awesome as always. So, would you recommend the book, Dave? Oh yeah, it and it's a quick read. It's only like um, I guess it's better to call it a novella. It's only like a hundred pages. Okay, so would you and, say the film actually expands on it well no it does but like the first two-thirds of the movie are pretty dead on and then there's the last third which i am not a fan of i think it you know when it goes its own way i think it loses a lot okay um okay one thing one more thing i uh before before i joined you tonight i watched uh the stunningly low stakes made for TV thriller Lethal Soccer Mom, 
which, you know, you see that title, you think this is either going to be just absolutely the most dull generic trash or maybe you're getting another stalked by my doctor. Because you guys all love stalked by my doctor when I picked it for you, didn't you? Didn't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I did. Guys. Boo, boo, boo. Boop, my <laughs> <went up> <laughs> oh no! Well, I fucking love that movie because Eric Roberts is so game, and with with the title "Lethal Sucker Mum," you you just you want you want a performance like that. You want a really game, over the top but knowing performance, and it just it didn't deliver any of that. And it was the character motivations were like grindingly mundane. It all revolved around like a high school soccer team. And it was impossible <laughs> to, like, be remotely invested. And it just didn't bring the sort of, like, trash that I wanted from it. I mean, the soccer mum herself wasn't even lethal. She runs over one 32-year-old high school student, and he lives. So she's not deadly. She's definitely a soccer mum because there's so much soccer and talk of soccer and the importance of soccer. It's just... Don't be fooled by that wonderful title. It's uh, it's no stalk by my doctor, which all of these guys enjoyed immensely. Yeah, that's, that's me. This week, we watched the 1981 uh, Pinku, Roman Pinku, Angel Guts, Red Porno, which is like the middle chapter in a series. Uh, all but one had read something. And the 1984 Macross film, Do You Remember Love? The full unedited version with a dub by Omni Pictures. Kevin? Yes. Would you like to pick a movie and tell us about it? Okay. So Angel Guts Red Porno is also on IMDb as Tenshi no Harawata Akai Inga. I think that's probably the best contribution I'll make to the show this week. Because I, I have no idea. I, I'm so confused. Like, I expected Tyler Sleaze. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. A woman took her workmate's place at a photo shoot. That photo shoot got a little bit uh, whips and chains heavy. And then suddenly some guy's obsessed with her. Her boyfriend hates her. She kind of just wants to be left in peace to put eggs and condoms and stick them up her vagina. But I, I think I think that covers it. Um, that that's that's it. That there's other ways that she is penetrated. Tyler's a big <laughs> fan of uh, page eighty one, which is known as the table leg, I believe. Like that shit will get you thrown out of IKEA in less than a minute. So Tyler, don't ever visit IKEA. It's um, I I was I was confused throughout this. Director Toshiharu Akida isn't someone I think I'm familiar with. 
unless we've watched 10 other pornos that he's done because Tyler has made us watch them. Um, I, I've, I've not even seen, I know he did Evil Dead Trap. I've not seen that one. Uh, I can't recall if he's done anything else that we've we've had on the deck. I'm sure you'll you'll correct me there, Dave, if we've uh, covered any. Not that I know of. I mean, like I've almost I've almost made us watch Evil Dead Trap a couple times. Okay. I I almost made us watch uh, Sex Hunter once also, but now now I regret these choices. Yeah, there are so many regrets uh, recently. So many regrets. This is, it's scary how many movies are in this series because those are all just potential Tyler picks at any time. He can come along and he just jumps on you like syphilis. So I'm, I'm worried about how many of these I'll, I'll one day watch, especially because this one left me so confused. And the reason I was extra confused was I didn't actually mind the very start of this, which was that the main focus for me was the notable egg and condom and up the moment. And I was watching that thinking, this is weird. Uh, even Nigella wouldn't make an omelette like that. <laughs> and then I was like, well, you know what? I can kind of I can kind of see, you know, why this is there as as something that may may be erotic to some with the sensation that a woman can have with that object there and the you know, the the texture, the what what you get from it. I'm like, okay, this is a choice. Please, but... Kevin, you you thought oh. too deeply about that scene. <laughs> Way too deeply about that scene. Oh yeah. It's I just thought it's it's a choice. Anyway, and then You thought, hmm. <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> That's fine. Um yeah, I mean, if it was made in Glasgow, would it have been a Scotch egg? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> these, these thoughts went through the mind. And the rest of the film then, like, doesn't ever get close to that again. It's really, I don't think it felt um, well put together. It was, it really felt like just separate encounters that don't have, made out of any impact or any. <sighs> any real bearing on the characters and how they interact. There was there was quite a, a decent scene with a couple like in a bath having sex and also having this ongoing conversation about the situation. Uh, but yeah, it's for the most part, it's once again sort of unerotic porn and then serves up some other stuff that could be viewed as commentary, but but doesn't really feel like it's saying anything. Uh, the the lead actress was it Jun Izumi, who's playing Nami. Uh, you know, fair play to her. 
particularly on the the role that is uh you know she's the one given all the the worst stuff to do i i don't just mean uh like for the sexual scenes i, I just mean the way she has to carry the film and uh, do things that are quite ridiculous but with a straight face uh i did not like this tyler and i was confused throughout so that just didn't help me like it more confused and intrigued by the sounds of it kevin <clears throat> well i was sitting there eating a massive jar of pickled eggs <laughs> but that's just complete coincidence <laughs> that's that's me i'm a changed man i'm i'm going to i'm going to jump in here sorry craig well, that's fine so um i just want to clarify that it was not nami with the egg that was the teen girl that lived across the street from the creepy guy. Oh, sorry. The, yeah. Wait, was, was Kevin the, was distracted. Kevin was, was very distracted. <laughs> and then she <laughs> adds sharpened pencils, which I don't like. Okay, the but the sharpened end, like, how did she not? Anyway, well, the two different creepy guys was well, was there an no, older one as well. There yeah, was, there was a, a Japanese no, guy, and there was you. <laughs> I'll explain. Well, I mean, there was another guy, but he doesn't really count, and he was only in like one scene. This movie has eight sexual scenes, four masturbation scenes, two of Nami, one of Creepy Guy, and one of the teenage girl that lives across the street from T- Creepy Guy. Five sex scenes, of which only, like, full intercourse, of which only one is. Well, I guess two might have been consensual, but one started not consensual and then jumped to another scene where it was consensual. There was a lot of rape in this movie. A corpse is raped. A chair is raped. This this was a this and nothing. I mean, this this is okay. Uh, God, what to say about this movie? So. This movie exists in a world where every man is just a horrible, horrible pervert, mm. a horrible sexual assaulter. Just like they're all they're all terrible. And it's just like to the point where nobody has a conversation. This is literally just scenes of little snapshots leading up to someone masturbating. Or having a fantasy about raping someone or actually raping someone or there there's literally one consensual scene. And that is the scene Kevin referenced in the tub, which is just like dropped in the middle of them having a discussion about how Nami works with the guy. Cause this is the guy that rapes Nami and is her lover after that and her boss. So that's the kind of movie we're talking about. It's it's the it's not that it's it's a highly sexual movie. We've watched a bunch of, of dirty films on this podcast. This might be the worst because this is the most boring one yet. Nothing happens. And because it's, it's Japan, there's no you know, it's not like it's it's fun sex scenes that you get to watch sexy time of. It's it's really weird because it's 1981 and 
they're not allowed to show pix, uh, penetration and there's no pixelization going on because that costs money. So there's a lot of like weird rubbing things and and you know artfully placed there's a there's a great overhead shot with an artfully placed i guess it's a light fixture that just happens to cover the the right area like on a technical level i i give them credit for getting uh this made as as well as any early 80s japanese porno i guess but like there's no story there's no eroticism it's just you know people looking goofy because yeah it's just it's just kind of there i know i know t's gonna gush on it but i i I don't get how this is a seven movie a seven entry series i i just like how how did they get seven of these movies out there (laughs) Can I mean, you please stop saying seven entry series? There's se- seven entries in the series. And they're all about images. Nami. And they're all about Nami. And and I read the synopsises. Nami might be the most sexually assaulted character in all of film. Oh, God. I, I, out of the seven movies, there are three consensual scenes with Nami. Good Lord. Okay. Uh, can you believe it was only a couple of weeks ago we were watching Ugetsu? Watching an actual masterpiece that informed the language of film for all time. Now we're here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how we roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This film This film spoke to me. It spoke to me, like, directly with it's the very first line of dialogue, which is, there are perverts everywhere these days. No kidding, Angel Guts Red Porno. I do a weekly podcast with one of them. He's a fucking menace. He's determined to ruin my life. I don't even know what to say. I mean, you've all kind of said it all. There's not a lot to say about the film, if it's a film. I mean, I guess it's porn. I mean... Sort of. Like, the, the lead actress has also starred in Nurse Girl Dorm Sticky Fingers. And... The very, like, to the point classic, I'm sure, I am aroused. Uh, there's nudity. There's some very melodramatic masturbation where the cl- they all seem to climax with the masturbator, like, collapsing and hitting the deck like De Niro in Raging Bull. Uh, there are love eggs, incorrectly used table legs, chopsticks where the sun don't shine, there's jizz. I'm not sure if it's genuine jizz, but it's a Tyler pick, so I'm going to say it is. It has a lot of sexual content that I'm certain is meant... I'm certain it's meant to titillate a certain kind of viewer, but it's it's almost just... It's just the most depressing shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's, it's softcore porn, but it has ex- the exact same, like, grimy, hopeless atmosphere as Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse. Which, like, has long held a spot in my top five hardest films to successfully masturbate to. That is, that's just not a, an arousing vibe. It's all just really fucking grim. Yeah, but that boat's hot. I, <sighs> steamer they're on at the end? Ugh. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I like Kevin said. I think there's there is a message in here. There are there's something in there, like about about personal connection and about how, like in in a lot of societies, but certainly in Japanese society, there's this kind of hypocritical conservative view on sex where people are judged but also you know are doing all sorts of kinky shit behind closed doors and how societal judgments are probably keeping a lot of you know people from having having the sort of sexual lives that they should have to you know to be healthy and be be okay i sort of i seem to be in there and i get it i i like agree you know i don't think it's a moral failing if you like being spanked or being watched or if you film yourself getting sucked off on the staircase and put it on Vimeo and make your friends watch it. Tyler. Um, I don't think any of these things uh, make you like a bad, shameful human being. I've made one of my how friend's wife watch Kevin. that. So I am a shameful Pardon? human. I made one of my friend's wives watch that. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was a little shameful. But was was that kink based? Were you like, yeah? No, no. It was just like, hey, hey, What's you gotta, to get you gotta see this. <laughs> see, I think there's something. There's probably a message in there because I don't know. I I need there to be, I guess. But if it is trying to convey a message, it is buried under so much like tiresome and desperate sleaze that it just isn't at all impactful. It's just. Kevin says something similar. I think it's quite well crafted in a lot of ways. He didn't say this. I think the lead is strong. I think it's kind of strikingly atmospheric in a way that doesn't work for it. Like Dave said, it's inventively shot. But it left me cold because it is extremely cold. And what it is, I think this is what Kevin was getting at, is it's a pornographic film merged with a cinematic cold shower. And therefore, I don't know what to make of it. Like, I don't understand what this is. I just don't think I'm part of its very specific depressed Japanese salary men and also Tyler demographic, because I don't get it. I don't get it. There's there's actually some OK filmmaking in here, but just I don't know what it is. And I'm I'm just glad it was like an hour and six minutes because, dear God, I couldn't have handled much more of it. I, you know what? I, I will say, I will say for its favor, when the egg cracked, <laughs> I left harder than I have at anything else we've watched over five years. I just, I collapsed. <laughs> Kevin had an awakening. <laughs> she doesn't even slow down. <laughs> I, I assumed that was the meaning of I am curious yellow. I thought it was the yolk <laughs> running down. I thought that was it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's going to be a long time to heal from this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I got absolutely nothing out of this. So I just was watching a fucking porno movie. Um, I bought this DVD at a local CD shop a couple weeks ago for $6. Um, that same day, I also bought an Avenged Sevenfold and Savage, Fat Savage Garden CD. So uh, so that day, I walked up to the register with a copy of Angel Guts Red Porno. 
Some needful things kind of place you've but been. Yeah, I, I walked up to this alternative girl working at the register and I said, can you bring up my copy of Angel Guts Red Porno, Avenge Sevenfold, and Savage Garden? Because, you know, they all go together. Um, <laughs> truly, madly, deeply. Uh, even though this movie doesn't have much in terms of characterization or plot or really anything uh, at all for half its running time. I mean, half its running time does just consist of weird masturbation with eggs and condoms and sharpened pencils and table legs, followed by our lead character just running around from perverted strangers in a panic for an hour. I, I found myself mostly compelled and hungry because, like I said, I made a, <laughs> I made a, I made a ground turkey omelet after watching a woman shove eggs up her vagina. I just, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. Did you eat it, it or did you, you know? It's weird. I haven't craved an omelet in years, but this movie made me crave a fucking omelet. So I made an omelet with ground turkey in it. I, uh, I, I think you should have gone with the deviled eggs. I mean, I should have. That just seems more thematically on point. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what that says about me as a human being besides liking bomb-ass breakfast, but it's just, it is what it is. Uh, there's no plot here, and I don't really need plot. Just give me, like, misery for an hour, and I'll be happy, and that's what this was. The lead character in this gets put through the ringer for 60 minutes. I mean, I, I actually thought she gave a solid performance for what she was given to work with. I thought she was fine in this. Uh, yeah, I, haven't any, I haven't seen any of the other... Angel Guts movies, and I'm not paying $65 for a DVD. So, unless it's free on the internet somewhere, XXX Bunker or any of those, I'm probably not going to watch it. Um, the tone is super bleak and hopeless, like Craig said, and it really never lets up. I mean, that photo shoot scene was actually pretty fucking gut wrenching, too, and really well shot. I love that hectic camera work in that whole sequence. Yeah, I don't think you can like cover somebody's shift if. Their job is bondage porn. <laughs> no. I don't think it works like that. It does not. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's a pink softcore flick. It, it wasn't created with characters and story in mind. Uh, it's probably not the best movie to pick for this show, even though I just I picked it anyway. Uh, it's here to show tons of nudity and various weird sex for an hour, and that's it. I, I dug it for what it was. I, I promise you guys I wouldn't pick any more angel guts movies for japan right i'm gonna keep that promise and if you give me an exchange for a water special so i promise you i will not pick any more of these but uh i'm definitely gonna finish the series one day it's just i'm not gonna spend that much on dvds because like i said i did dig this movie for the most part it's just they're kind of hard to review because there isn't much here besides masturbation and cum shots and boobs <laughs> masturbation so yeah it is what it is it's angel guts it's, it's fine for what it is I, I am impressed that two people fit, fit in that little tub. I mean, that thing was, like, the size of my desk chair. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That's that, that's impressive. That woman must have contorted into ways that just broke the three dimensions of our human reality. Anyway, hey, uh, Kevin, do you want to pick a movie and tell us about it? <laughs> oh, right, um... Well, so I just yeah. find out how this turned you on. So the the next film Dave's pick was the full title is Super Dimension Fortress Macross. Do you remember love? Uh, 
also known as Chojiku Yosai Macross, I Obote Masoka, I think. And oh, that's that about good. all you're getting out of me for that this was, one. That was good. I'm I'm so I'm so confused by this. I I don't know what was going on. I was waiting for an animated woman to maybe experiment with eggs. Um, I I saw spaceships going about. So the plot is, I think there were giant sort of robot-y invader things. There were, there was a singer called Lin Minmi. Is that uh-huh. right? Yeah. Yay. Um, she got rescued at one point by some pilot guy, but then she saw her ex-boyfriend with some other woman and got a bit upset. And I think that's when she really wants to sing Do You Remember Love? Because she's literally asking Do You Remember Love? to the person that I believe she once loved. I, that's all I got. I I was very confused by this one. Um, that, that's basically it. It was so close. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I'm really impressed. Giant aliens trying to kill humans. I mean, there's a lot of talk about sci-fi concepts, but you basically got, I'm like, that is one of our better spoiler-free descriptions. Bravo, Kevin. Wow. Um, I did, I did enjoy parts of this one. I was, I was genuinely quite confused for it. I I was I messaged you guys. I was confused within the first sixty to ninety seconds. And I said, you know, well I understand this more as it goes on. Uh you lied to me. You said yes. And I remained in a permanently confused state until the end credits rolled. Even when the end credits rolled I was still trying to work out if I'd actually seen the ending play out or if this was just a classic Dave episode nine of a 26-part series, Persona Non Grata, volume 300. once. (laughs) I did that. That was on episode, like, seven. (laughs) Yeah. I'll never forget. Because it was tough going that one. Uh, like the setup here, I just you know, I I really I sort of got it, but but not enough. And it moves around in a few different locations. Like if I'm right, they end up on Earth or near Earth. I would say round about the halfway point. And I I couldn't even figure out how they got there. And I couldn't even figure out why other characters were still after them, why this potential invasion was happening, what was going on with the history of these people and the you know villains of the piece. They sort of tell you a bit, but I was always playing catch up that much that like my head was spinning. Try to keep up with that. So I enjoyed it 
when it settled down into the moments where it was the singer just singing, I was like, all right, the plot has grown to a halt for this moment. I can just read the subtitles and enjoy this little song. I'm not saying they were the best songs, but it kind of gave me a minute to catch my breath. Because it was like, I, I have no clue. Right, it, are they... I was I was looking at characters. I was like, are they in league with the villains and they're happening? But they don't look like those villains. And it it was a it's been a tough week, very confusing around. As I say, there was there was bits I like to this. There is um there is a a style to this. Maybe it is just because it's sort of early to mid eighties uh, Japanese animation. But there were certainly quite a few moments that felt similar to, um, is it Battle of the Planets? Yes. The, the yes, series. it is. Um, so it brought to mind that. But then that just made me remember that as a kid, I quite liked Battle of the Planets. And then I really like the um, Interstellar 5555, the Daft Punk animated movie by the guy at the Battle of the Planets. And then I started to wish this film had just been reworked so it would be another animated film accompanied purely by a Daft Punk album. And I thought that would be awesome. Because if I'm going to be confused anyway, I could be confused while enjoying the visuals and some Daft Punk tunes. That I would have I would have really dug that. Um, I mean, I don't know about uh, Tyler or Craig. I'm assuming you had a bit more background on this, Dave, from, did you say it was also a series? Yes. Yeah, it, it is also a series. Uh, in, in, in Japan, a long-running series. It never, there's issues. It's complicated. Um, I think, I think if I'd sort of grasped more of the, the sort of the main, uh, kind of plot foundations earlier on, I think I would have enjoyed this more. Cause as I said, I did quite like, uh, quite a lot of the main sequences for the animation style and how they went. It wasn't something I, I hated. I was just, uh, I was floundering. I was lost and permanently floundering. And with that poor start, for me, I didn't ever really catch up. It was, it was when the singer had the moment where she saw her fella and the fella was with a new woman and she's sitting there. That was probably the highlight for me because I'm like, right. I know what is going on in this moment. <laughs> and now she's singing a little song about it as well. <laughs> that, that would do for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't alter my whole mindset on eggs. So that's a plus. That's me. Uh, you want to go, Tay? Sure. Um... For all the anime that we've watched on here, and I love the good chunk of it, uh, this podcast made me a fan of anime. Uh, you guys introduced me to some dope-ass shit. 
this, though, I would put this more at the bottom. I, I didn't hate it. There's stuff here that I really liked. I just didn't know what the fuck was going on half the time. I, I don't have notes because I feared every single time I took my eyes off the TV, I'd miss something that made sense, uh, which is fine. Uh, because I don't care if something makes sense as long as I'm entertained. Uh, the animation looked great. I mean, it's gorgeous to look at. Beautifully animated film. Uh, I got some Sailor Moon vibes off the visuals here, which was cool because I've always kind of liked Sailor Moon. Uh, there's aliens and robots and pop singers all set in this weird, romantic, melodramatic science fiction world. All stuff that I love but I just didn't find as compelling as I did the other animes I've watched previously on the show. Uh, dubbing was kind of bad in the version I watched. I would have preferred to watch the subtitled, uh, but every version that I found had the same dubbing. So I guess I don't know if a subtitle version exists, but I would have preferred to watch it that way. Um, I will say this, though. It's the best movie ever involving a cheesy-ass pop song, Saving the Galaxy. So it has that going for it. Uh, I didn't dislike this at all. There's a lot that I enjoyed. Uh, just comparing to the other animes we've watched in the past, this is more <laughs> towards the bottom, but it's not terrible. It's uh, definitely watchable. It's well animated. I, the music was actually okay. It's The dubbing was kind of bad, and I just thought the story was kind of a mess, but it's fine for what it is. I, I enjoyed it overall. Um, I... Like like Kevin, I, I was I yeah, there was confusion. I don't know when you guys decided to turn Japanuary into confused Craig with random anime franchise entries, Urari, but I don't like it. Um, it confuses me. Uh, I just you know I went into this like totally blind, looking for anything like no matter how thin to just grab a hold of, and I really struggled initially. Um. Reminded me of that I Think You Should Leave sketch where Ebenezer Scrooge is fighting alien skeletons from the future. <laughs> and Sam Richardson suddenly barks like, oh, crap, a bunch more bad stuff just happened. There's like no context to it. It's just like there's a bunch of bad stuff is happening. I can see it. But I, I don't have any context for it. Like, I know it's an intergalactic conflict. But for all I know, it's like a war between alien pedophiles and people who go to the cinema and just stare at their phones the whole time in the brightest possible setting like am i who who am i meant to care about why am i meant to care about this and i had no idea i mean i thought like maybe i had a grip on like the general vibe at the very least you know i thought i had that it had that kind of had a very strong late 80s saturday morning cartoon vibe to it like kevin said like kind of like bit of transformers bit of jason the wheeled warriors I thought, okay, I get it. This is a wholesome space adventure for kids with a slight edge. But, like, even that bubble burst, because all of a sudden it just goes, bam, let's have some accidental breast grabbing and zero gravity upskirt peeping and gratuitous shower titties. And I just, at that point, I just thought, fuck this, I give up. Like, I give up trying to care. I give up trying to understand. I'm just going to just let this weird shit wash over me and see if I have fun. And yeah, I, I did have fun, but I think often I had fun for the wrong reasons. Like, this is going to sound like a litany of complaints, but these are actually all things that gave me joy and helped me through the film. Like, the dialogue is heinous. It has has a real auto-translate 
you on a YouTube video quality to it. Like giant giant robots yelling assassination starting. Like I know stealth takes something of a back seat when you're a giant robot, but still, like no assassin should be yelling assassination starting. Uh, lines like what? Why should I sing the song another girl has found? Or my favourite, um, Ming Mei's song seems to be working. Going in, which you know it makes total sense in context, but it's still a totally deranged line of dialogue in like a big war scene it's yeah it's it's very bad dialogue i'm not sure how close it is to the original dialogue but it's very bad and the dub like that time said it's horrendous like it's it's like speaking to a white english customer support agent from virgin media and i specify white because like asian customer support agents are some of my favorite people you'll say to them like oh my wi-fi has been out for the last hour and they'll say sir I'm sleeping in my car tonight. I'm too ashamed to face my wife and children. Please forgive me. Like, I love those guys. They're, they're lovely, but it's very, very badly dubbed. It is painful. And there's, there's no, like, there's no flow to any of this. There's no flow between the scenes. There's no flow between the tonal shifts. It just goes like battle scene, window shopping montage, another battle. Giant alien robot virgins popping boners while they watch teenagers kiss. Just, it's like a frenzied assault on your senses and just on sense itself. It just never lets up. Like, it dedicates its entire first half to a romance. But it just nukes the second the male protagonist is just geographically closer to a different woman. Like... I'm not sure how I meant to like get involved in the romantic elements of this film when when the characters aren't. Like this dude kind of outright says it. I'm probably paraphrasing it a little bit here, but he's, he's like the tracks of that planet, and he says something along the lines of, "It feels like forever ago that Ming Mei was dragged screaming to her currently unknown fate, and yet it's only been 45 minutes. Let's fuck." I mean, I can't invest in these very like shallow and easily dismissed relationships it's oh it's all very weird it just it makes so little sense and it starts to make sense you know like when the tide of the war is turned by an impromptu live performance of a fairly mediocre pop song that someone found in the trash you're just like well yeah of course i can think of no more suitable conclusion to a film where the fate of humanity rests on a teenage love triangle and aliens with blue balls and all sorts of nonsense I didn't understand. It's yeah, I'm with Kevin, just just confused, like confused, but also amused. And I don't know, like I have nothing really good to say about it. I don't, I don't even really like the animation or the art style. The art style just just personal taste is not one that I enjoy, and the animation is not. It's not on par with other kinds of, you know, iconic anime. So I don't really have anything good to say about it, but I did enjoy it. Like nothing but complaints, but also like no real complaints. At the end, I was trying to think about like, how do I feel about this film? How has it made it feel? And I can't really expand on this, but it made me feel like Suzanne George in the third act of Straw Dogs. 
Yeah, no, that's that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I'm... that. <laughs> uh, to be fair, it, it's a terrible dub, and it's done by a company called Omni Productions, who are known for doing terrible dubs. And for a long time, they were like the go-to terrible dub. If you look online, you can find them doing terrible dubs of, of everything. The guys that do the, the voices for the alien Britai and the, the blonde pilot Roy are probably the most sampled voices by the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> like th- those two dudes are in like four songs an album. And you can tell because one talks... He talks like this, and it's very stilted, especially when honor is being discussed. Or women, you've got to <laughs> grab your woman. And uh, okay, um, I like Macross. I I I love uh the. Series it got turned into in the U.S. Uh, Robotech. I, I love those. I, I love the Macross sequels. Even though I had to kind of bootleg most of those over the years, I had never seen. Do you remember Love in its uncut version? I have seen the uh, 1987 U.S. dub called Clash of the Bioroid Bionoids, which is so much better, but cuts out like a half hour to the point that they make you think the main character dies in the end because they cut out his "Oh, I'm alive" speech. Uh, so, like, I was like, uh, okay, well, let's watch this, because this is generally a well-regarded anime. Apparently, there's a, a fan dub that was done, like, ten years ago by dedicated fans in England that is supposed to be absolutely amazing. Uh, but we didn't watch that. No, because you can't find that. Because of crazy rights bullshit, and I encourage anybody with even a, a passing interest to look up the Robotech rights bullshit. There's a ton of videos on YouTube about it because it's crazy. Just crazy corporate shenanigans. So uh, we're stuck. We're stuck with this terrible dub of a movie. Now, uh, I I like I, I know what's going on because I've seen the original series. I actually started watching uh, the Macross saga with my niece this week. Um, There's there's no there's no booby in the TV version. Uh, apparently there's a lot of upskirts that got cut out because we're watching the, the, the American <laughs> version. So I, there are lines. I mean, I do have, there's some places I won't go. But, um, so yeah, as an adaption, it's not great. This, this version now that I'm, I'm going to put that on as, as an addendum at all times, because apparently the actual film itself, if viewed properly, is decent but yeah no the the oh god the dub and the translation is just atrocious to the point that it it makes it it makes it yeah it's it's difficult to follow if you don't know what's going on they explain things to you but it's at such a rapid fire pace and they never go back i mean they're just shouting terms at you at, at points especially especially before the finale there's like 10 minutes where they're just shouting words at you like you're supposed to know what the fuck is going on. So I'm sorry. <laughs> we should have watched the version that cut a half hour out because that's like you can actually follow that one. And that's better voice acted. 
this is just I actually I like it. I, I like the animation. Uh, I think the animation, especially the space fights, are gorgeous. The people have this weird early eighties anime look where I yeah, I don't know what it is. Like they hadn't totally defined the, the genre style that now dominates everything, I guess. So it's like this weird in between they sort of have the anime eyes, but not quite. And everything's gone over with charcoal, so there's these like heavy eye lines and stuff. So it's a little off-putting, but I like the designs. Uh, I I think a lot of the designs, like the costume designs, are neat. The uh, ships are are awesome looking for for me. I think one of my favorite things in all of science fiction is is the Veritech fighter. Those Valkyries in in all their modes are just so cool looking to me. Uh, yeah, you know, this is this is what we were going to do eventually. I'm sorry I couldn't find the good version for us all to watch. But I liked it, and it's against, you know, Angel Guts Red Porno, so. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to have these weird missteps when it's against a, a porno picked by Tyler. <laughs> this is called strategic picking. <laughs> And it's it's time to pick one for me. It's, it it is uh, Matt Cross. Do you remember love? Uh, you know it. It's a shame it's not better. Hopefully, apparently the the, the right stuff had finally gotten figured out after forty years, and eventually we will be getting good versions of all this stuff. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out, and and when they're hey, here's the good dub finally, or here's a non-dubbed original version. Go watch that, because this, what is out there, it is, yeah, it is, it is real pain that you will just not recover from. <laughs> Mr. Colin there. I did. I should have dubbed Wu-Tang movies in the 70s. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Dave. I'm going with the, the film with 12 titles that Dave picked. Yeah, I mean, it's Dave's pick. Now, you see, I'm a, I'm of two minds here. Um, I liked Angel Death Red Porno for what it was, a weird Japanese sex movie, because I like weird Japanese sex movies. But at the same time, Dave's pick is actually the better movie. Um, but I'm still going to go with Dave's pick because it is the better movie. But I did yeah, like yeah. it. But I did like Angel God's Red Porno for what it was. I did enjoy it as a weird Japanese sex movie. It was fine. Well, I just remember the, the there is a Macross live action movie coming at some point. So we'll probably be watching this story again. But, uh, you know, a big budget Hollywood version. They've been threatening Ooh. that movie for 20 years now. Like ten I mean, I've got a, I'm hoping to get to a t-shirt that just says uh, you can't make a pinku film without breaking a few eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish people would give us money for merch. I would totally sell those. <laughs> <sighs> just eggs underneath the logo. Anyway, um, <laughs> next week we're doing a Sion Sono episode to cap off Japanuary 2020. 20- 
23. Yeah, I totally forgot what year it was for a second. <laughs> God, I've been away for a long while, haven't I? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, Tyler picked Prisoners of the Ghostland. I am going to go with, um, you know, I wasn't going to because it was hard to find, but then I found it while we were talking. So I'm going to make everybody watch The Whispering Star. Craig has informed us he he won't be here, so Kevin screamed, "Bad monkey, you don't get a pick!" But Kevin gets one. What's the third one, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I'm going for Suicide Club, 2001 Suicide Club. We're on the gram, Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore pod. We're on Facebook, where I sometimes remember to post stuff on Wednesday. I actually forgot this week. Sorry, Kevin. Oh, um, uh, and we have a YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, and comment and watch Kevin's totally awesome videos weekly. We also have an OnlyFans page where you can watch me shove eggs up my ass. I'm just kidding about that last time. <laughs> I don't kidding think about that last you are. Maybe, maybe. But uh, that's it, guys. We will see you next week. See ya. Yay. See ya. You get that egg photo up on Facebook, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I forgot this week, but I'm going to put something up. Got to have my love in air. Oh, the rest of my day is positively mayhem. I'm a regular monster. How do you like eggs in the morning? I like mine with a kiss. I'm never frowned. Eggs can be almost bliss. Just as long as I can.